All right. It's a pretty fun morning, isn't it? We've got people here that are visiting for the first time. We've got people here who are part of our family but have moved out of town who have come back to celebrate with us. That's very cool to see you guys. All right, if I've not met you before, my name's Jacinda. Matt and I are the lead pastors here. It's awesome to celebrate with you today. We're very excited about what God's been doing amongst us and what he's continuing to do. We're just sort of running to keep up with him, really. And uh, we thought it would be great over the month of our birthdays. Every week we've had stories from some of our local coasties that have just been talking about what God's been up to in their lives. And so today we thought we would let uh, a couple of our friends who have been with us right from before we started the church and who used to talk to us about, wouldn't this be a thing we could do maybe one day up on the coast? And that's Rachel and Dean Haythwaite, and they're going to tell their story. Good morning. I'm Dean. This is my wife, Rachel. We had the opportunity to hitch our wagon to what God was doing here at Coast at quite an early stage. And what we want to do this morning is just very briefly uh, share some stories, share some thoughts, and a couple of observations, and a bit of a timeline as to what went on. Now, I, what I want to do, first of all, is dial back about four and a half years, and I wanted to show you guys some photographs, and I did find some. <laughs> yeah, oh dear. One thing that really amazed us is just how much fashion has changed in four and a half years. <laughs> I think I look quite onto it, but I don't know what Matt and Jacinda were thinking. <laughs> if you look closely, he's got a tattoo on his shoulder too. We got to know Matt and Jacinda while they were at uh, North City Vineyard, and we uh, started making connections with a lot of people that were up this way, and we started thinking, is God turning our hearts towards the coast? And we uh, started going along to Matt and Jacinda's life group. Then we sort of thought, God's definitely doing something here, and we thought, well, you know what, let's, let's just explore what this could be, and then there was rumors that there was going to be a church plant. Okay, so as discussion of this church plant thing became more of a thing, um, we prayed and we worked through what that would look like for our family because we have a rather large family and we've always been the same sort of people who have stayed in the same church or sort of moved sideways into a sister church. We never left a church. Um, so for us, it was a, a big move um, to think what this might look like. Um, and, and we were thinking, oh, you know, really feeling that God was leading us into this thing. And at that time, we were, um, had just had our seventh little baby. So there he is, a little newborn, cute as can be. In fact, I missed the first get-together because I was still in hospital with him. But on the second get-together, we were in the Lily's Lounge with him lying on the floor in the heat of February with a singlet on only. And that was, that was heaps of fun. But um, we basically kicked off the church with this newborn, a busy family. And, you know, he has really been a marker for the other birth that had happened in our lives at that time. And that was the birth of Coast Vineyard. So um, we, we look at him as a bit of a marker. And just like newborn babies, the life of a new church was filled with joy, excitement, anticipation, fun, mess, late night. Sometimes a poopy thing to clean up here and there um, and to deal with. But what captured us most about newborns when we had them was that there was this incredible potential locked up in this little person and we were yet to know who they were to become. So Coast Vineyard was just the same. We were a group of people who got together and didn't know what this thing really was actually going to look like. We pondered and we prayed. We worked and we enjoyed each other's company on the journey of building this thing that we all felt God had placed before us and in our hearts. Cool. As we were preparing and, uh, and thinking about how this church plant could, could work, we um, were meeting in the Lily's Lounge, which was called the Lily Pad. Here's a shot there. And uh, we quickly outgrew that. Then we moved to a church in the, in the Silverdale village area called Mission North. Now, they weren't using their facilities in the evenings, and they very kindly said, you can. So we then moved over to Mission North, BB, <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, we had a fantastic time there. One particular night was quite different. On this night, we sort of met in an upstairs room. We prayed, we sort of did worship, we, we um, prayed for each other, we had words, and it felt like God was doing something. It felt like he was there in a powerful way. And we, we, we really sort of, from that, that felt like it was a marker point in time for us. It was pouring with rain, it was cold, it was loud. Then the next day, I, sort of, I was still thinking about, you know, that night before on that Sunday, you know, what had gone on? What was, it felt like there was a shift. And I realized it was Pentecost Sunday. So all those years ago, when the disciples met in that upper room, and, you know, they prayed, and they felt that rushing wind of the Holy Spirit coming, we sort of had our own little Pentecost sort of moment, which was pretty cool. And... From that, from that point there, there was a couple things that I felt God say. One of them was that he's with us. His presence is with us. And from that early point in time, that was important. You know, when you're starting a church, it felt like, yeah, God, you said, you know, I'm with you. and I'm going to stay with you. You know, I'm in, I'm in this. The other thing that was really important was that, you know, when we have a good idea and we sort of, we try and, you know, sustain that in our own energies. It's kind of like, you know, we, we think of something, we try and get it underway, but it's all our own effort. When we have a God idea, when he's in it, when he initiates it, then he also sustains it. So for, for you know, for us, Rachel and I, two of the things we love about Coast is that he's here, his presence is here, and he initiated this thing, and he's sustaining it. It's pretty cool, eh? Okay, so we had the newborn baby, and we were meeting in people's lounges, and then we were at Mission North, and then before you know it, we, six months later, had a bouncing baby church. The startled look was probably there on the odd occasion as well, for all the things that were going on in church, but it was time, as it often is with a a six-month-old baby, to introduce them to the world. We set about doing preview services, where we invited the community and anyone who was showing the tiniest bit of interest in what we were doing to come along and see what we were about, get a taste of who we were, what we were like. We started to have personality. We started to see the the things that made us who we were. Okay, we loved to have, and we still do, we love to have our arms open wide to those that were coming towards us. I think that's one of the things that makes us who we are. Sharing a sense of genuine love and real relationship for those who wanted to gather around us and get to know Jesus more. So for me, Coast has always been about a place that I could connect, that I could connect with God and that I could connect with others. A place that I was encouraged to be me, whatever that may look like in whatever season I was in and in those early days. There were some pretty interesting moments with a new baby, a busy family, not much sleep and a church plant. But we got to journey with some of our favorite people, and we've made many more friends and family along the way. So Coast is a place where I feel a freedom to wrestle with the hard things, the questions, the ups and the downs of life, and still know that my face is pointed toward Jesus, and I'm knowing him in new and different ways as my relationship with him grows. It's okay to ask those hard questions. Okay, so we then got our balance. And we waddled through the toddler church phase as people have been continually added to us. He's got his balance there in his brother's big boots. People also looking for a place of genuine faith and connectedness and how they can live out that faith, not on Sundays only, but in in their everyday life. And here we are, four years later. We've very much put our mark on the world already. Just like any typical preschool, we've got our backpack on and we're off. We have our strengths, and we have the things that we're still working on. We have an enthusiasm for people in the community around us and a confidence, a strong confidence that Jesus will meet people where they're at, and he will grow them. We still wonder at all the things God has done and that he has in store moving forward, but we have confidence that he's placed us here for a purpose, and by Jove, we can have fun doing it. That's what we're all about. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That was great. Thanks so much, guys. Some good photos in there. 
All right, well, what I'd like to do now is to introduce our guest speaker. I know we've been talking about him. We've got this, this Australian's going to be coming over. And um, I have to say, he could well be my favorite Aussie. And, uh, but as a way of a little bit of an intro, what we're going to do now is we're just going to play a little kind of an intro song and just keep an eye up on the screen up here before he comes up. It'll help you get to know him a bit better. He's a guy who loves to pray. He's got style, he's got grace. Kirk Delaney. He's an Aussie, he's a mate. He will eat our birthday cake. Kirk Delaney. Kirk Delaney. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Kirk Delaney. Talking about Kirk Delaney. Kirk Delaney's a guy. So we had a, um, did you enjoy that? <laughs> we, um, we had a very uh, stressful night last night watching rugby together. Um, and um, lots of ups and downs. Um, but um, the Lord prevailed. <laughs> um, seriously, he's, uh, he's the, the national director of the Vineyard Churches on Australia. And uh, he's just... He's just got the, a heart that, that pulls me towards wanting to press into Jesus more. Um, he's got a real um, call of God in his life for leadership and to, um, and to invite people into more of what God has for them. So what, as he comes up, why don't you give him a rousing Coast Vineyard welcome. All right. <laughs> All right, brother. All right, I'm going to hand it over. So God bless him as he speaks. We pray you bless him and his family as he's given his time to coming over here and sowing into Coast Vineyard Church and also open our hearts, God, for what you would want to have for each one of us this morning. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Matt. That was great. <clears throat> I'm not used to a theme song intro, but that was pretty cool. I like that one. You've given me some good ideas and ammunition right there. But, um, folks, uh, firstly, just want to say um, thank you for the invitation uh, to come and be a part of your birthday celebrations and uh, join in with what, uh, what God is already doing among you and, uh, and to partner with uh, what the Holy Spirit is doing here at Coast Vineyard. It's a real treat. It's a real privilege to always come along to someone else's party and, uh, and be, a, be a part of that. Um, but my hope is in the course of this morning, in all of the celebrations and all of the fun, that you would... Um, fall more in love with the reality of Jesus for your personal life and for the life of this fellowship of believers who are learning to do life together under the generosity of the rule and reign of Jesus and with the power of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I love about who we are as a, as a people, as a unique people, as vineyard people. We are a kingdom people who love to partner with God in the power of the Holy Spirit and what he's doing. That way we don't have to make things up and we don't have to be too spiritual about it. We're just everyday people following a very living and powerful Lord. And so uh, my hope is that you'll fully graft in with God even more this morning. I, was, I Just this morning as I was uh, listening to some of those stories there about the life of Coast Vineyard, I was, I was reminded of a, uh, a story spoken of by a gentleman called Brennan Man Brendan Man Brennan Manning. You may have heard of him. He wrote a, a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. Uh, wonderful story of learning to live in the grace of God, this man's life is. And um, I was just kind of reminded about that when you were talking about sustainability and the life of a church and how, uh, what God started, how does he keep something like this going? And I I was, uh, I was, he came into my mind as I was listening to that, and um, there was uh, Brennan tells a story of when he was in the ministry, and one of his other priests um, was going back to Ireland for his um, his uncle's 80th birthday celebrations, and so his friend flew back to Ireland to be with Uncle Seamus for his. 80th birthday 
And on the morning of his 80th birthday, Uncle Seamus said, I'm going for a walk this morning by the lake, which he would do every morning. And so this, uh, this um, uh, nephew wa- was with him, walking with him. And then Uncle Seamus came to the lake. And just as he got to the lake, the, the sun was starting to sort of, you know, rise and come up over the horizon. And as it was coming up over the horizon, the sun caught Uncle Seamus's attention. And Uncle Seamus just stood there and he, he looked into the sun as it was rising. And he didn't, he didn't move for 20 minutes apart from this wonderful smile that just filled his whole face as he was just taking in the sunrise. And uh, his nephew said to him after 20 minutes, he said, uh, Uncle Seamus, are, are you all right and what's happening? And Because uh, they'd just been standing there a long time, like 20 minutes is a long time, if you stop and think about that. And Uncle Seamus turned to his nephew and he said, the father of the Lord Jesus is very fond of me. And I just, I just want to offer that to you off the bat this morning, because I think that as we go about doing the life of the kingdom as disciples of Jesus and as a people of Jesus together, that's going to keep you in the game. The realization, the revelation, and the, just the immense power and life that there is in the fact that through Jesus, the Father of our Lord Jesus is very, very fond of each and every one of us. And he's very fond of each and every person that's not here as well. And that he longs to see also looking into his wonderful face. And so I just want to encourage you, that's a great place to live from. I think Uncle Seamus discovered something that's really powerful. And I want to say to you this morning, it's a great place to lead from as well. For those of you who may be in the, in the journey of kingdom life and leadership. This morning I want to share with you just a few thoughts about life together um, Earlier on in um, this year, at the su- in the summer, my wife and I, Nicole, we read a book together, and it was a book written by a gentleman called Joseph Hellerman. And in his book, it's called When the Church Was a Family, Rediscovering Jesus' Vision for Authentic Christian Community. It's a long title, really, isn't it? A bit of a mouthful. But anyway, When the Church Was a Family, we discovered some things that Hellerman was pointing at that's there in the scriptures about the life of the early church, the life of a local church, and along with all of the amazing dynamic, you know, inbreakings of the power of the Spirit, of um, uh, signs and wonders and healings, people coming into the kingdom. Uh, if you read anything through the you know, the book of Acts there where Paul goes to places like Ephesus, you know, there's um, sorcerers burning their relics and surrendering their lives to Jesus because he is Lord and, and these other, you know, um, so-called gods are not Lord. And uh, as, as all of that's taking place, he says, Hellerman notes that in the book of Acts, there's these four little things that I'm going to share with you this morning that are actually at play under the surface that are flowing out of the hearts of the people in their relationship with each other. And it's, it's that that I want to point to this morning, because Nicole and I, we found this a very, very helpful uh, four little things when, we, when we're talking about the life of our local church, let alone the life of um, the Vineyard Movement in Australia. So um, let me just pray for a second, and um, if you've got your Bible with you, I want you to open it up to Acts chapter 2. If you don't have it, with you. Um, There'll be a um, scripture on the screen there, Acts chapter 2 in a second. But let's just pray. Holy Spirit, as we read the scriptures, we just want to say thank you for them. Thank you that you like gave um, inspiration to to these folk that caught that inspiration and that revelation and, and put it down so that the generations to come would benefit from the life of that revelation. We thank you for the Bible, and we ask this morning that as we read it, it would be um, just like this kind of thing that would like test the motive of our heart and yet bring us into fullness of life at the same time, bring us closer to Jesus. 
And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to just make the Scriptures come alive for us and help us come alive to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you go to Acts chapter 2, if I might just get the folk there on the PowerPoint to do that for me, that'd be great. If you haven't got it, you can follow on the screen. But Acts chapter 2 reads this. So this is the church in its very, very early formation after um, Jesus has been uh, crucified, resurrected. He spends a whole bunch of time walking around teaching on the kingdom of God, and then he ascends, and then the church is waiting on the Spirit. The Spirit falls on them, and then they're beginning to discover how do we do this thing called life together with the, with the help of the Lord leading us in the power of the Spirit. Let's just pick up on these verses. Acts two forty two to 47 reads, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were being done by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I'll get that next scripture up there as well, Acts 4.32 on the next slide. Brilliant. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that they had any possessions of their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was on them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, and they brought the money to the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as they had need. For example, Joseph, a Levite from Cyrus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which meant the son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the disciples' feet. Hellman says that if you just have a quick glance, like a light reading of those scriptures... You don't have to spend too much time digging too deeply into them. And you start to see a couple of things and themes coming out that are very pronounced about what it means to do life together as a local church under the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, the first thing that I want to sort of touch on here is the fact that whenever we tend to read the Bible or we think about um, our discipleship journey with Jesus or we think about belonging to the life of a local church, we tend to, you know, view all of those realities through a very, um, you know, personalized or me-centered lens. And so we approach things with this sense of how will I benefit from this or how will I grow from participating in this or what will I bring to this? And um, that's, that's really a lens that is the wrong lens to be looking through when you're reading the scriptures. So when the church was formed and, and the, the people that were living there at that time, they are living very much in a group mentality. They're living in a community of faith. They are living with the sense of, I am an important part of this reality with God and so are you. And so are you. And so they lived this life together. And I prosper when you prosper. And my life is edified as you are edified and as you edify me. There was this collective sense or this group thinking, this community lens through which they lived and loved and served and followed Jesus together. And so it's, it's really good to try and read the scriptures like that and use the collective sense. And, you know, when Jesus taught his people to pray, his disciples to pray, he, he said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. He didn't say, pray my Father who art in heaven. He said, pray our Father. So even in the, in the context of prayer, when you come before the Lord in prayer, you're coming before the Lord in prayer together at all times. Even when you're praying on your own, you're praying to our Father even when you're taking that time in your personal discipleship, it's with our Father. And so this is, this is how the distinctive of what made the Christian church something so radically powerful 
in its early context and is still doing today is that when people shift gear and, and move away from making life centered around themselves and they make Jesus the Lord and they allow him to bring them into what he is doing through them with others and that together there's a great testimony being released into the earth that's transforming lives everywhere. So ha- try and hang on to that new lens. Um, if, if you could just shoot backwards a few, a few um, slides for me to the very first one. If you just jump backwards a few. Uh, there we go. That's it. Hellerman says this. I like this. He r- makes up words as he, and, uh, and he adds them in. And I like this one. He says, it's time to inform our people that a conversion to Jesus Christ involves both our justification and our familyfication. I like that word. I think, that's, I think he's onto something. That we gain a new father, a new set of brothers and sisters, and we res- when we respond to the gospel. And it's time to communicate the biblical reality that personal salvation is a community-creating event. And that to trust God to then change our lives and the lives, the lives of our, changes, our churches accordingly. I, th- I think he's got something there. I think it's a fantastic thing that he's pointing out there. If you jump forward back again, that'd be great. Thanks, mate. So let's, let's have a look at these four things that, that Hellerman points out that are in the scriptures here, and we'll just spend some time around them. The first thing that's very obvious in the, the reading of those two little scriptures is that they shared their stuff, their material things. They sold homes. No one was within, with need. As, as people had need, they were, you know, people would contribute to that in, um, as, is, as and when they needed it. Now, this is like so, um, so far different from the context in which we've grown up in, which is you need to make a way, earn a living, provide for yourself. Um, this, well, this is you need to provide for yourself and for your kingdom family. Now, that's a big leap. I've got to admit, that's a big leap for me. I'm still learning how to move in the power of the generosity of God as he's flowing through my life. And so, you know, quick story, when, um, when uh, I had my first daughter, Caitlin, Nicole and I, you know, we were like, okay, we need to start saving right now for her education, you know. So we start saving our little $25 a week or whatever it was into, her, you know, Caitlin's future education fund. And, um, you know, and we'd been chipping away at this thing for a little while and it was great. And I think we... We got it up to about $1,700, and we were thinking, you, this is good. We're going well. Let's keep going at that. And then one day, I had coffee with a friend of mine from church, and, and he started to tell me his story of how he had poor vision in one of his eyes. And now, I love to pray for healing, and so that was my first port of call. And so, you know, he shared his story with me. I said, let's pray for that. And so we prayed for that. But the kingdom was delayed, and there was no inbreaking of power in that moment, which I find incredibly frustrating to live in. And, but as he tells me this story a little bit more and a little bit more about how they can't afford to care for that eye, all of a sudden, the father starts speaking to my heart. And he starts warming my heart, and I know what's coming onto the table here. And I know that all of a sudden, it's like, Caitlin's education money. I think that's coming onto the table here as I'm talking to my friend. And then my friend says to me, and, you know, the operation's going to cost me about $1,700. And so in that moment, I just said, you know what, Pete? I said, mate, I've got $1,700 and it's yours. And so I just went home and I said to Nick, I said, you know that... Money we've been putting aside for Kate's education. Uh, I just emptied that out. uh, And I'm giving it to my friend for his eye to be operated on. And, you know, can I I just say, at that time, though it seemed small, it was big. It was a big, it was a small step of obedience, but it was a big step in terms of what God was building into our life, in terms of generosity and learning to be free with the grace and the provisions that he sends in our direction. And, um, you know, I've, I've got three children and they've all managed to have a, a private school education 
and, that, and we have not once wanted for being able to pay the monthly school fees. And my oldest daughter, she's now in a second year of the university and the, you know, the other two are in, in high school. And I'm just like, what was I worried about back there? And yet, God invited us into this place of this is what it means to be kingdom people living with Jesus as king and that together we are resourced to be able to care for each other and see each other come into the goodness of God more and more. So I just want to encourage you, hey, Coast Church, as you're going forward, as as you're continuing to grow, God's going to call you into these deeper um, experiences of obedience and risk and joy of sharing your stuff with each other, sharing your stuff. Go there, even in the small things. Go there in the small things. And even as I'm kind of looking at a few of your faces right now, I, I feel like God's saying, I feel like God is saying there's a number of you that he's been having this conversation with. And he's saying, trust me, follow me, follow me into this space, trust me. We sang that song, he is a good, good father. And you know just what we need. We sang that as a declaration, not just as pie in the sky. That's who we worship, our God. He is a good, good father. So we share our stuff together. You know, we've got this couple in our church. His name's Chris and her name's Ursula, actually. They're in, the, they're in transit, actually, to moving to New Zealand. They've been with us for a number of years. They're from Czechoslovakia and... Um, uh, they're in transit to moving to New Zealand, so you might see them lob up at some point. And um, anyway, Chris, uh, Chris had had a car accident, and he, he had lost his income earning stream. He, and, um, and as a result of that, um, he found himself in need. And Chris was sharing with me one Sunday morning just before church uh, that um, his, his mother back in Europe was um, pretty much close to passing away, close to dying. And he, and he was just lamenting with me about how he didn't have the resources to go home to see his mum before she passed away. And as he's just lamenting with me, I'm just like a sucker for that. I'm like, oh, God, you know. And my heart just began to get moved towards Chris. Now, I didn't have... I didn't have the money to do that personally. We didn't have it as a church in the bank account to be able to do that. We run on a very lean, lean reality. And I'm just like, but I felt God calling me to step towards Chris in that. And so anyway, I just said, I prayed with him and asked the Lord that there might be a way. We start church, we're worshiping the Lord. And I'm just all of a sudden in a conversation with Jesus. He's like, Kirk. The resources for Chris are in my people. And so, like, we get two songs in and I'm bursting. I can't. I'm like, stop, stop, stop. So I just get up the front and say, guys, you're doing a great job. But I think this is on God's heart. And I shared Chris's story. I shared what I felt like the Holy Spirit was talking to me about. And then I just said, and I think we're meant to engage with God in this moment. And if you would like to, Let's just ask God if you have a part to play in helping Chris to get home to see his mum. So we just waited on the Lord. I said, give freely, give nothing at all. My only ask is that you would just ask the Lord how he wants you to participate. And then I had Chris stand at the front. And then I just said to folk, all right, well, if you want to respond, here's Chris. And I postured him so he had his hands out in front of him. And he was incredibly awkward. He felt, this is terrible. You may, this is awkward. I said, no, no, no. The kindness of God is about to come to you. And then I just said, folk, just, just line up and just start giving, giving your money to Chris so that he can get home. And anyway, and sure enough, people just like, all of a sudden, they just like, their hearts are moved. Their hands went to their hips. They opened their lives. And people were in tears just in tears, bringing the resources so Chris could get home to see his mum. This is, this is what the kingdom of God looks like on the earth, even as it is in the heavens. This is what God is doing in the new creation project, in the resurrection of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He's taking people like you and I, who were once far from him, caught in sin and darkness and all manner of stuff, and he saved us into his wonderful light, 
and he's given us the opportunity now to live a life, a resurrected life, both now and into the future. To live that now and into the future. And that resurrection power looks at people in need and says, we have the resources of heaven and earth and our hearts are stirred. We will risk and we will step towards and we will, and we will see the kingdom come. God's going to do incredible things through you guys here at Coast Vineyard. Just continue. My encouragement is, as Hellerman points out in this, this little thing, they shared their stuff. Just continue to share your stuff. Let your heart stay soft to that. And sometimes it's going to feel like you're giving away your children's education. And sometimes it'll just be the spare 50 that's in your back pocket. Sometimes it'll be your homes. Sometimes it might be a car. Sometimes it's your stuff, the material things. They shared their stuff. Pantries, open your pantries, open your, your cupboards, feed the poor. The next one is they shared their hearts. They shared their hearts together. Um, there's, with this, um, there's a sense of like, not only am I doing something towards you in kingdom life, I'm actually deeply emotionally sharing a place of solidarity with you. Your journey in God is my journey. My journey is yours. And together there's a solidarity. And if you read anything in the scriptures, you just see how in the letters to the churches, you see how time and time again, Paul is constantly like, I can't be with you, but I'm sending you my best I'm sending you Timothy, or I'm sending you these guys. I'm sending you, I, I, I long to be with you. He uses that kind of language, even though I can't be. There's, it's because for Paul, this isn't just about growing churches and expanding the kingdom of God. He's deeply in love with God, and he's deeply in love with the people of God. And he wants to see them come into all their fullness. And so there was this emotional solidarity. Recently, one of our most effective deliverance ministers in our local church at Pine Rivers in Brisbane. She passed away. Her name was Bernadette. She had a PhD. She was an amazingly intelligent woman. And in her 80s, uh, she passed away. But she would just like move around in a room and she would just see where people were caught in bondage and chains and oppressive, oppressive works. And she would just generously and quietly be about her way and come, come near them and just in the name of Jesus start setting people free. You know, like the commission statement of Jesus in Luke 4.18, which is our commission statement too. Set the captives free. Well, Bernadette, she was amazing at this. But for the last six months of her life, Bernadette was wrestling with a, a form of blood cancer. But it also meant that Bernadette was housebound and she couldn't really look after herself. And so all of a sudden, there was an emotional solidarity among the people of Jesus at our church. And so they just started to find each other with the help of God and form this little army. And this little army went about making sure that every night of the week, Bernadette for six months would have a, a new you know, set of meals delivered to her home for the next day. And they would make sure that Bernadette was able to get to appointments with doctors, down to you know, government services, all sorts of things. They just, just forms filled out, whatever it took. They didn't do it because it was a task. They did it because it was Bernadette, the friend of Jesus. They did it because it was Bernadette, the one who, under the grace of God, had helped set them free unto new life in Jesus Christ. And so Bernadette was this person that, that wasn't just this 80-year-old lady sitting in church and praying for people and setting them free. Bernadette was her, their family. And that's what family does. Kingdom family does that. They share their hearts with each other. They share this emotional solidarity with each other. Um, listen to the words of Paul when he writes in 1 Thessalonians 2, when he's writing that letter to the church there, he says, and he can't be there, but he says, As for us, brothers, we were forced to leave you for a short time. We greatly desired to make every effort to return and see you face to face. Face to face. He didn't just want to see them. Oh, yeah, there they are. No, no, no. Face to face very personal, very engaging, intimate posture. Paul's like, I want to see you face to face. I want to look in your eyes. I want to see how you are. I want to be with you, not just around you. 
I long to be with you. And he says, so we wanted to come to you. Even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. There's a whole other series of messages on kingdom warfare right there. We won't, don't have time for that. But he says, for who is our hope, our joy, or joy, or crown, or boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his, at his coming? Is it not you? Is it not you? And Paul uses these two words that are only usually just given to describing the character, the presence, and the power of the living God of glory and of glory, that one word of glory, and he takes it and he now appropriates it to the people of Jesus in Thessalonica. He says, you are my glory in the presence of God. He's taking the character of God and renaming the people. You are the glory of God before Jesus. He has this deep emotional solidarity with them. We, we need to learn to live like this in church. We need to live, learn to live like this in home. We need to learn to live like this in our workplaces. We need to learn to let our hearts be together sown. Let's jump on to the next one. We stay and embrace the pain and we grow up with one another. This one's a tough one. Does anyone ever tick you off? Does anyone ever by chance in the course of a week do something that just gets up your nose or offends you? Like, I don't know what world you live in, but my world is like that all the time. Now, that may say something more about me than my world, but nonetheless, I'm constantly having to do the hard yards of choosing to not be offended. Of choosing for whatever reason. You know, like sometimes I'll give, I'll just, I'll think I'm offering my best of who, who I am and what I have to bring. And, and, you know, and some people are like, they're not backwards and being forwards about what they really think of what I'm offering. And, and often I'm like, Oh, oh, that wasn't that wasn't too good to hear. But anyway, I have to choose to stay together with the people of Jesus. You see, now in the book of Acts, there the Lord added to their number daily. So the Lord is sending you the very people that He knows will be just right for you as a local church to best reflect His glory into this community here. He's sending them. He's sending them, even the ones that you find hard to be with. They're here for your good, and you're here for their good. We need to learn how to embrace the pain. Now, the early church went through some really difficult situations of persecution and very intense hostile circumstance in terms of culture and and spiritual um, context and so forth that maybe we don't have to wrestle with as much in our context here. But they, they, they chose to stick it out and hang in there with each other because when the pressure's on, sometimes we, we say things to each other that really we shouldn't say to each other. And really they're not the issue, the person that we aim things at and we say hurtful things towards. Our kids aren't the problem. Our young people aren't the problem. It's just like our community is not the problem. It's, that, that's not the problem. It's, it's, it's an issue of the heart of how we respond as the people of the kingdom, carriers of the life of God towards them. That, that, that's where the rubber hits the road. And will we choose to embrace even when it's difficult? Good, well, he's a good friend of mine now, but in my church there was this one guy and he's been with me for a long time. And the first time I met him was on a golf course. And uh, I was golfing with a mate of mine. He's a chaplain. And we were doing these nine holes one afternoon. And then um, we came to this next hole and this other guy came the other direction. And he was, anyway, my mate says, oh, hey, Ash, do you, remember, do you know Kirk? Um, he's a pastor. And he goes, oh, yeah, 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 I know him. I was in his church last Sunday. He's the bloke up the front that talks too much. That was the start of our relationship. <laughs> That was the start of our relationship. And it's been not an easy one. You know, some relationships and friendships are so smooth and so gracious and you could say anything to each other. It's like, ah, whatever, I still love you. You're the best, you know. But there's others that's like, it's like trying to hug a porcupine or something, you know. It's like prickly. It's not easy, but you've got to somehow do it. And it's been like that with Ash for a long time. Well, anyway, about six months back, in the space of 24 hours, Ash ended up in hospital 
and he came down with a um, with a lung infection and, a, and the infection in his heart and it was very serious and it came on very quickly and so um, me and another guy from church said uh, let's go let's go and see him in hospital straight away so off we go up to the hospital we get into the room and he is a mess he is not well very ill and he showed me the they'd taken the x-rays and he's the the lungs were just massive, full of white, just infection, and also in his heart as well. He was not in a good way. So I just said, listen, mate, right now, I'm just going to put aside all of the stuff that I think about you and just let you know and let you know that you are God's number one priority in this moment. And I want to partner with God for your healing. And so we prayed, and as we're praying, <laughs> the doc comes in, and the doctors, you know, when the doctors come in, everyone sort of parts and let the doctor in. Well, anyway, the doctor comes in and he can see we're praying. And I'm, like in situations like that, I'm a little vocal. I get a little, you know, engaged and I get pretty vocal and I'm engaging. And so we're in this shared room. And so with all of the noise, I'm just like calling for the kingdom to come. I'm rebuking the work of sickness and I'm asking for the kindness of God to heal, heal my mate, Ash. Well, anyway, a doc comes in and he says... Listen, we gotta, we got and we gotta do some tests here. And I just said, and I pointed at the doctor, and I said, "That's good, mate, but you can wait until I'm finished." And I was like, but I don't know. There was like this boldness of God or something on me, and I was just like, and I looked at him, and he was like, and he went like this. <laughs> so anyway, we finished praying for a couple of minute, more minutes, and then I turn to him and say, now you can have your turn. <laughs> and I said to my mate, oh, we're out of here, see you later. Well, praise God, the kingdom came with great power, great power, and by the next morning, he was discharged from the hospital, completely healed. His lungs were empty of any infection, and so too his heart, and the x-rays are all there to show it up. And it's so kind of God, so kind of God. But man, that bloke is like trying to hug a porcupine to me. But he's, my, he's one of my best mates. And he's one of the guys now. You know, we've had to have some honest conversations. But he will, he, will, he will just go wherever I'm going now. He'll go with me and I'll go with him. And he does a great work among some of the men in our church. But we've had to grow up together. Got to grow up together. That's what the church is committed to. And family, just to finish with, family is not about this thing called me, the wife, and the kids. In other words... The church isn't a place where you go and you pull out the shopping list and you go, all right, oh, there's something here for the, for the wife, there's something here for the kids. Yep, check, 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 check. That, that's, that's the wrong lens. That's the wrong lens. If you're going to be a kingdom player, a kingdom person, a person living under Jesus, it's the realisation that you're actually joining a people. You're joining a people. You're not joining a group of random individuals or who all somehow choose to sit next to each other for an hour and a half on a weekend you're joining a people who are together on a journey with god um and um so let's just quickly jump to the uh next one i'm going to jump on to the next one again yeah it's a bit hard to see there but t traditionally we we, we kind of look at the whole thing of, of the, the gospel of the, of the good news of Jesus as a very personal reality. And this is part of the big story, absolutely, where we all must make some sort of response to being reconciled to God and reconciled to others. But we've tended to approach that with a very personalized thing. The, the, the New Testament, actually, if we can go to the next slide, the New Testament actually shows us that, in, and if you read Ephesians 1, it says God is busy reconciling all things in heaven and on earth unto his son, Jesus Christ. So he's bringing this whole thing together in the here and now and in the age to come. He's bringing it all together. And you, you actually are deeply grafted and connected to people, to the created order, and to God, or there's a brokenness there. That's the real picture that you're living in. And then to, you meet Jesus, and then you come into a restored relationship with God, with others, 
with the created order. And you now have a, a new family called the church. This is what the Bible's inviting people to. And that's what God's inviting you to as well as a local church. I'm going to um, quickly jump to the... Well, let's, let's go to the next slide. This is a book I'm reading at the moment. You might enjoy it. Um, it's a bit meaty, but for those who love, a, love that, that might be good. His name's Scott McKnight. It's a great little quote here. Kingdom is people. Church is people. A people under King Jesus begins to live into an alternative society that witnesses both to the world and against the world's systems. You are both, to use the words of N.T. Wright, you are both a signpost to the world that says there's a whole other way of living life now because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're a signpost of hope to the world and invitation to a life filled and instead of a life empty. And you're also, to use the words of N.T. Wright, a rebuke to the world by the mere fact that you have chosen to give Jesus Christ lordship of your life. You are saying to the world, and all of the powers, both spiritual and natural, that are at work to oppress the advance of this message, you're a rebuke to them because you're saying, Jesus is the Lord and you are not. So you're a signpost and a rebuke. And he says, our world is marked by isolation, fragmentation, transience, privacy, consumerism, power, complacency, lots of other big idolatries. But the church, which is kingdom fellowship under King Jesus, counters each of these stories with the new story of, the new, of, of new creation that comes possible through the power of the Spirit and the life of Jesus. Now, Coast Vineyard, if you guys live in that space, oh my goodness, Dairy flat, dairy flat, is that, that's kind of the whole, that's where you are. What's this? Hibiscus coast. Hibiscus coast. <laughs> Thanks, folks. Hibiscus, uh, hibiscus coast. There is, there, is a, there is an advancing good news message of what it means to live under the generosity of a good God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the people of God share their stuff, share their hearts, hang in there with each other and choose to be gracious and not offended with, with each other anymore and who choose to realize I am part of a people that God is forming in the earth even as his new creation project has begun in, for, that's coming at the age to come. It's already breaking in upon us in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Look out, Hibiscus Coast. Now my question to you, my question to you is who wants to be a part of that kind of message of good news? Who wants to be a, kind of, be a part of that kind of ministry of good news? Who wants to be a part where that is actually your life lived in the name of God for the well-being of this world in which we live? Um, so my question to you, each and every one of you, as young as the youngest person in here through to the person that's the most senior, all of you, I'm asking you in the name of the resurrected living Jesus who is beckoning you to himself to partner with him in the advance of his kingdom, the building of his church and the saving of Hibiscus Coast. Who wants to play? That's my question. If you'd like to pray, why don't you just stand? If you'd like to play, why don't you stand and I'm going to pray. <laughs> And if you could jump onto the next slide for me as well. The enormity of knowing that the kingdom of here, the kingdom of God is here, makes us the most optimistic, prophetic, visionary people on planet Earth. Let's pray. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love that you've drawn us here this morning. We love that you're among us and we love that you're just bringing the reality of Jesus alive in us in this moment. And you're showing us our part in what Jesus is doing, even right here, right now at Coast Vineyard. 
And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would come with a manifestation of your presence now, right now. I ask that you would release the weighty phenomenon of your presence upon us, that our physical bodies would become aware of your dynamic power resting upon us. Even as Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he said, when we came to you, we didn't just come to you with words, but we came to you with the spirit and power and fullness of conviction. (laughs) Come, Holy Spirit. Friends, just place your hands out in front of you. I just want to invite you, just place your hands out in front of you. The Holy Spirit wants to come visit you. This is just nothing magical. It's just a posture. It says, hey, God, I'm open. I want to participate in what you're doing in this moment. Now, Holy Spirit, would you fill these hands? Would you touch these hands? And even as you're doing that with their hands, I pray you'll do this in their hearts. Come, release your weighty, manifest presence, O God. You, the living God, who met that group in the upper room, who came upon them with power and fire, all the children that are up there on the back step, would you, would you, all those kids on the back step, would you just close your eyes and put your hands out? Jesus wants to come and touch every single one of you kids. Every single one of you. Just that's it. Just let Jesus come and touch you. Let his spirit touch you. Bless every generation in this place of God. This is for the generations. Every child right now, just bless you to receive the Holy Spirit and a revelation of Jesus and the love of the Father for your life. Every young person in this room who's trying to figure themselves out and figure out how do they connect to God, I'm not sure it all happens. God, would you touch them? Touch them now. Touch them now. And I pray just a kingdom blessing in the name of Jesus over you, Coast Vineyard. You're a wonderful church. God has done and started a wonderful thing here. Remember Uncle Seamus in this moment. Who realized that the Father of the Lord Jesus loved him very much. This is where it begins. And this is how we keep going. Bless this church, God. Bless this church. Bless this people of Jesus. I feel like the Holy Spirit is um, even like release for some of you on those points that we went through. Some of one of those four points was a little more sort of real for you than the other three. Please pay attention to that. That's God inviting you into a conversation where he wants to rewrite a whole new story for you. Whether it was about sharing stuff or sharing your heart or choosing to embrace and not be offended or realizing actually it's not just about me coming and doing something for me. This is about being a part of a people. Whatever point was real for you, Can I just encourage you in this moment, please, please enter into that conversation with God. There is a great redemption kingdom story there to be had. I bless that to you in Jesus' name. I bless that to you in Jesus' name. And I know we're going to have some... um, Actually, can I just get us... Like, I I need a little bit of help before we get to sing the birthday song for the cake and the church and all that stuff. Um, I just need a little bit of help. Can you just help me? If, if you were in that moment experiencing anything of the, like a touch, a physiological encounter with, with God in that moment, can you just pop your hand up for me so that I can see and have a sense of, okay, okay, God is in the room. Just, okay, so we've, just thank you. Thank you, Lord, what you're doing. Thank you. We bless you. We say thank you. Thank you, God. I pray for increase. And I pray that that would just sweep through every, every person in this room, Lord. In the course of this day, let your kingdom come. Glory to you, Jesus. You're awesome.
Thank you that you've saved us. Thank you that you've saved us. God bless you, Coast Vineyard. If we get the chance to see you tonight, we're going to hang out at the hub. And um, there'll be, we want to do a bit of healing ministry tonight because I love, that's just so passionate in my life to heal people that are struggling for health in any area. So if you're crook or you know someone who's crook, feel free to bring them along, whatever it is, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a go at this thing called healing in Jesus' name. Hey, God bless you. Thanks, Matt.